are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You're listening to State of the Art with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You are. Yeah. You are. We're there back. We're back. We're back. We're back, and, and we're, we're bigger than ever. Are we? Yes. Bigger we, than ever. We missed July Fourth. We weren't here because right. we were too busy yeah, being we patriotic. Had to run our best of show as we are wont day. to be. Yeah. And no one uses that anymore. Want to be. Want to be. We are want to be patriotic, and we were. We weren't here. But where we're, were you? What? Where were you? I was picking rags behind the vans. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Don't know, but not necessarily that. <laughs> that came a little too readily yeah, to did, me, didn't, didn't it? it? Didn't it? Yeah, it's a nice picture for our listeners. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so uh, before we get into that, though, <laughs> let me uh, uh, thank some uh, very important people in our lives. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Breakdown Services, the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. To learn more about Breakdown Services, visit them at BreakdownExpress.com. We'd also like to acknowledge PerformingArtsLive.com, one of the Internet's most prominent listing sources for the live arts in Southern California. We're grateful to Performing Arts Live for lending their support to our weekly live arts calendar. Let's mm. throw some applause there. Right? Yeah. Well worth it. Nice Napoli over there. Uh, as an actor, our first guest is best known to television viewers for his Emmy Award-winning role. Best Supporting Actor is Tom Hughes on the CBS daytime drama As the World Turns. He also starred mm-hmm. as David Banning on NBC's Days of Our Lives for three years and has appeared in numerous episodic TV shows. But today we're talking about his accomplished career as a singer and your opportunity to see him do just that right here in L.A. And when you hear the last name, yes, he is a member of that legendary Marx family, and we're talking comedians, not communists. Please welcome Greg Marx. <laughs> well, thank you. How are you? Mr. Marx, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. And about you like the little comedian communist I thing? Like I like that. that was you know, it brought me right back to uh, junior high. I'm sure that I was going to say <laughs> it's something Paul. he's did, heard really before did, did, many uh, times. I remember very well. We start studying <laughs> communism, and the name Marx came up, and yeah. it was uh, open season. Yes, I figured it was. Well, that's what yeah. I do here. Bring back yeah, painful say, memories. How, how yes, good thank you. you open thank that you so wound. much. <laughs> yeah. Really, really, just appreciate that. <laughs> Not so at all. And we have a rather gorgeous woman in the studio. Yes, we do. Thank you. Backstage, uh, um, this is what Backstage, you know, the industry newspaper out here in Los Angeles and New York had to say about her as a vocalist. Every once in a while, a voice comes along that is so awe-inspiring, it makes you want to rush out and have your congressman declare it a national treasure. And I can support that statement, believe me. The LA Times calls her remarkable, Variety calls her brilliant, and we're lucky enough to call her our good friend and in-studio guest today, here to talk about her upcoming performance right here in Los Angeles. Please welcome the one and only Joan Ryan. Well, thank you. Did I give Did I give Greg applause too, or did I skip over his applause? I think that, that we, we need I, to give him. Applause. I think you gave me. Applause. I did I give you applause. Yeah. It, okay. I applause. Okay. I give them both I was, I was so preoccupied with the whole communist joke and getting yeah. that right that I thought I skipped see over. See how but that's I what happens. Okay. You see, <laughs> when you try to hurt, when you try to hurt. And anyway. it comes right back to <laughs> it you. It does. It does. <laughs> it's it's karma. Karma. It's karma. Exactly. 
so great to have both of you here. We're excited yes, to talk to you. both of you. So happy your, to be here. Uh, but let's talk gigs. about uh, your week. You said you didn't get an audition. What I didn't get an audition, about? yes. I didn't get an audition. There was something for uh, Leonard Cohen. They yeah. need a Leonard Cohen look-alike and sound-alike, and it's very easy for me to do I Leonard Cohen. Imagine so, yeah. Speaking friends, but also I do his singing voice at all sorts of different times in his life when... Because now he's just got this great subway voice, but when he was younger, he had sort of a slightly reedy, almost Dylan-esque kind of voice. And much to my wife Monica's chagrin, I do his voice all the time. And she's like, Paul, you don't understand. She's like, it's not that I don't like Leonard Cohen. It's just the sound of his voice fills my heart with the blackest despair. So I'm like, okay, that's a little more than just disliking stuff. But I love Leonard Cohen. You know what I mean, Michael. I love vocalists that have the seeds and the stems still in it. I love... Um, I, love I, I love Waits, I love Leonard Cohen, yeah. I love Joe Cocker, I love Brenda Vaccaro, we mentioned earlier. But, she's uh, a great vocalist. But yeah, yeah. she is, she is. <laughs> Her greatest hits I album. I have that I album, you know. I know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard one to find. With love, Brenda. With yeah. love, Brenda, <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, that was my week. Things uh, We finished, we have the locked picture on the short film that I'm That's part right. of. And, and that goes off to the composer and the colorist and the, the dramatic, sound the editor. The dramatic side of your talent. Very dramatic, unnervingly so. Yeah, it's a, it's a short film I wrote and produced. It's called The Beating. It's about bullying. Oh, wow. Uh, the 11-minute film about bullying. Very, very dark. And you're but, a bad uh, guy. I'm a bad guy. Yeah. yeah it's a little... It's, it's You don't leave humming a tune, as they say. <laughs> but how was your week, Michael? It was good. Me. You know, super busy getting uh, a, a wonderful show, uh, the 20th anniversary, actually, of Sunset Boulevard, the musical. Ah. It's 20th anniversary this year, and to the day tomorrow, it opens tomorrow, at Musical Theater West in Long Beach, which we're going to talk about in our arts calendar. But, yes. you know, it's very special. Uh, you know, it's one of Lloyd Webber's darker, more very special uh, shows. Joan sings a fabulous song from that show in her act. You still do? Are you going to do that at the club? This, I'm this not time? sure. Not sure. Maybe. Maybe. It's Noiric. Is that the word? Noiric? I think it's Noir esque. Noir esque. Noir esque. Yes. Okay. And Valerie yeah. Perry, the wonderful musical theater star who toured as Ava Perone in Evita uh, on the first U.S. national tour, is portraying Norma Desmond and David Burnham from Broadway, our buddy. Uh, they don't get much better looking than David Burnham. Oh, yeah. he's gorgeous. playing Joe Gillis. Yeah. Yeah. So we're very excited to have them on the Musical Theater West stage tomorrow, and it plays uh, through the 28th of July. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And we'll get a, give people a little reminder when we hit our yes, arts conference. Absolutely. Section. And here's my big question for the week. What the heck is going on with the weather in Los Angeles? I know. It's weird. I'm just it's so scary. happy that it's not the surface of the sun anymore because it was so oppressive for but a couple this of days. Is, I find this almost more oppressive. It's really? July gloom. Oh. Is it? <laughs> Oh. Yeah, but we never used to have a July. Well, it, they've moved it. It's extended from June <laughs> into really? July. Yeah. Global warming. Yeah. That's oh. what it is. It's climate all global change. <laughs> climate change. Wow. Harvey Firestein, another great vocalist. Oh, I do, Harvey. Too. Yes, you do. Yeah. I think everybody. Can well, do I think he, I think everyone's done, Harvey. <laughs> have you ever Lady, seen? Lady, hello. Before him with and the Brenda Vaccaro in the same room, I think <laughs> not. <laughs> we have. You have not. Very good point. Very good point. I'm just, just saying. saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, shall we get started, yes, Michael? Okay, please. as a singer, we talked about what he did as an actor, but as a singer, our first guest has appeared at many of the most respected cabarets and jazz venues in the nation, including Feinstein's at the Cinegrill, Catalina's Jazz Club, Herb Alpert's Vibrato, Vibrato? Vibrato. Vibrato. Yeah. I'm musical, edumatated. 
of Arado Jazz Girl at the Gard- and the Gardenia Cabaret in Los Angeles in New York. He was featured at Danny's Skylight Room and the Metropolitan Room on July 21st. He will be performing at LA's hottest and well on its way to legendary clubs, Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal. Please welcome Greg Marks is with us. Hey, hello, hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm How good. How you doing? How you How doing? You How you doing? doing okay? I'm doing okay. Yeah. All right, Greg, I'm going to ask you this question, but, Joan, I'm probably going to ask you when we get to it because it, it, it fascinates me, this whole, uh, the creation of a cabaret act. And I know everyone does it differently in terms of what they assemble and how they do their show. But for, in your case, do you come up with a narrative or a theme first? Do you have songs that you know that you like and then sort of find something contiguous to tie it together? What's your process in creating it? I've actually come at it from both ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first show I ever did, um, I was I always wanted to sing. When I was an actor, I, it took me years to be able to really feel like confident enough right. to take it out into the world. So my first show was basically built around... Uh, the, con- the conceit, which is actually real, of me being terrified to sing <laughs> and wanting to desperately and just, you know, that whole process. And I found songs that fed into that. It was very autobiographical. And I think okay. a lot of people's first shows tend to be <coughs> like that because you go from who you are, from what yeah. you know. Uh, now it's more I, I find songs that I like and I try to um, create a structure around those songs and find some kind of a, of a through line. Um, but it goes, I think you work from, you can actually work from both ends. You can have a, a conceit, you can have a, an idea, and then you'll find somehow these songs start coming to you. You go, oh, what, wow, that song could work. And it might be a song that you sang a long, long time ago that sort of represents itself in, in a way mm-hmm. that um, that is appropriate for the moment. So. Well. So that's been my experience. It's and also, the too, when you, as we age, uh, we find that songs hit us different ways, and that's we right. sing them from different uh, points of view or with just more life experience under our belts. Uh, you were going to say something. Yeah, right no, no, I was. Gonna, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and what what Greg is going to be doing uh, on July 21st at the club is is a co-headlining engagement, actually, with someone that he's not worked with before, but not, who he knows. But the wonderful Brenda Vaccaro, which Crazy. I think is no <laughs> <laughs> together again. Uh, no, actually, it's uh, Sharon McKnight, who is a, a cabaret, cabaret legend, legend yeah. truly. And uh, I'm I feel very lucky. We have. Uh, the same management, mm-hmm. and we sort of talked about wanting to work together, and so she's a pistol. She is. She is. Fantastic. She's a machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's really amazing, and but but and full of some really incredible ideas. Um, she taught at Yale, you know, so she's at the cabaret convention. Um, she's got some really wonderful ideas. She knows what works. You know, she really knows what works. I would think that that would also be fun too, because I know I did a one-person show for about nine years on the road with this thing, and uh, I know that called as a title. oh, it's called Straight Up with a Twist. Yes. Previously known as a Renaissance Geek. Yes. And this sub uh, the subtitle: The World is a Cruel Place When You're a Straight Guy with Good Taste and a Great Eye for Color. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, the um, that's a mouthful. I love yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it, it came out, and I, I got about two years out of it, and it then enthusiasm started to wane, and then Queer Eye for the Straight Guy hit Bravo, and as soon as that happened, I got seven more years out of it, because anything that sort of smelled like that, they were like, get me that show with the straight guy with the gay sensibility. So, But uh, my point was that sharing the 
hosting duties. I always sort of, because the way I sort of dealt with my own performance anxiety of being a one-person entity on stage was I viewed the whole thing as sort of this party that I was hosting that people came to. So I would imagine that the whole idea of co-hosting with Sharon, to use, to use that term. Co-headlining. Co-headlining. Yeah, yeah I, the co-hosting term was mine. But um, co-headlining with her has to be a little freeing in that it's far more playful to have someone to play off of, even though you have solo pieces in it. It is. It yeah. is. Uh, sharing, sharing that experience, uh, it's also a little bit sort of uh, awe-inspiring because, you know, this is someone who I used to, before I was performing as a singer, I would go see. Oh, wow. Um, and so it's kind of a... It's it's an exciting experience, but it's also a little sort of daunting. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm I'm not working <laughs> okay. with some slump. Right, I mean, right, this right. Is, this is Sharon. You yeah. Know? So, but I, I'm I'm really not that Sharon to it. sounds like. I that. was just gonna say yeah. that. she does. It's sort Sharon of a theme. Sounds like Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the show today, I think we're all gonna sound like Harvey. We've been to it's a. She what is, is a woman that though. Doing, uh, yeah. She doesn't mince words. And, she does not mince anything. She's very straightforward about all of that. That's Which is actually I kind of I actually appreciate. Yes, I do too. I do too. So I can't wait to see her. Huh? And Greg. I know now, have so. either of you, because, Joan, you're performing there, too, and we'll put your uh, details out when we chat with you shortly, but uh, have either of you seen shows at uh, Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal? Have yeah, you, you it's Jones? a wonderful band. Yeah, I've sung there. I've seen as a guest singer in some other shows. It's just, I only bring it up because it, I've, I've only seen one there, actually. You came to the opening. It was the opening, yeah. And I just love that room. I I'm actually looking whole. forward to it. I've heard great things. It's 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 astounding that a place that a room that is so sort of kind of industrial and loft like still has such a warmth and an intimacy to it. Uh, because as much as I loved Vitello's, because I don't like small places, which is where we used to I, be. I yeah. found uh, I found that to be a little confining. A little but I just love yeah. this uh, venue. So let's uh, tell people. Uh, how they can uh, get tickets for this. This, of course, is Greg Marks at Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal with uh, legendary McKnight. cabaret and Broadway star Sharon McKnight. Mm-hmm. This is uh, at Sterling's Upstairs, as I said. It's a 5.30 to 6 o'clock dinner seating with a 7 p.m. showtime. Reservations are a must. 818-754-8700. That's 818-754-8700. And Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal, located at the Federal Bar, 5303 Lancashire, North Hollywood. And that is the 21st. Do I have that right? 21st, yeah. The 21st. Sunday. 21st for Greg and 28th for Joan, but we'll throw that out there again. absolutely. And the thing I always tell people, North Hollywood, you can park once... You can eat there, and you can take mass transit, That's which true. is one of the few places in L.A. you can That's do true. it. Do people do that? You know they do. They because I know that we push it all the time. But I mean, our audience in yeah. particular? I don't know about our audience necessarily. but Because I, I know when I was there, I got hammered. I will. So it was really <laughs> lucky for me that I didn't drive. No, I'm kidding. Or I Monica. Didn't actually get hammered. Monica probably had to drive you home. <laughs> didn't she? So, Greg, I wanted to also touch on the – you said that uh, it was sort of – singing was something that you wanted to do. When did you sort of move, because you were primarily an actor, right. and when was that sort of transition or that discovery for you in your life, in your career? Uh, the acting I sort of fell into, the singing was something that I did for many years on my own, taking lessons, and I, and I literally um, was terrified to take it out in the world, but I also wanted to do that. 
more than anything. I used to dream about singing. I never dreamt of, about being an actor. I dreamt about singing. Really? Yeah. And in uh, 1999, the beginning of 99, I went to an open mic, one of many that I had gone to over the years, and I would always chicken out. I would chicken out and chicken out and chicken wow. out. Wow. Finally, I, t I took my sister with me for moral support to an open mic uh, that was led by Michael Orland, the wonderful yeah. pianist yeah. in the company. Oh. Yeah. And uh, he... It was an open mic kind of situation, and at the end of the evening, I was still sitting there, <laughs> and he said, anybody else want to sing? And my sister shoved her, me up on the stage and said, he does. I was still really full of a lot of fear, and I sang, and um, there was a gentleman there who uh, produced cabaret, uh, still does, Clifford Bell, and uh, he said, I'd like to work with you. you you've got something, and so I said, great and then the end of that year and in, in uh, that was in, in the spring and then the fall of 99 I did my first show at the old Cinegrill which uh, was in the uh, on the Roosevelt, Roosevelt Hotel, Hotel yeah. yeah so it happened rather fast um, but I it happened just literally from 99 was when I when it first oh, wow. when I first started venturing on the stage as a singer but it feels like this is what I should have been doing yeah, that was that was actually years. that was actually going to be my next question. Uh, did you? Yeah, no, no. I, I was only going to say, did but it, it didn't lead you into doing musical theater. Did no. you do musical theater at all? No, no. So I, I was going when I, when I was in school, I was uh, bound and determined to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. uh, I got as far as applications to law school, and then decided because things that were happening, uh, I decided to be an actor for a while. Um, but it was not a, it was sort of, yeah, you know, someone said, you sh do you want to do this an acting thing? I said, sure. You know, it was like not a, it wasn't a, um, you weren't planning fire on. in the belly, as they say. Well, um, was there any family, uh, obviously because of the, your historic family, is there, was there, there were, no one was pushing you in that direction? Oh, not at all. Really? In fact, I think quite the opposite. Oh, they were really? like, if you can find something else to do, <laughs> do it. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and lucky for me, I have a voiceover career, which I was able to segue into not being on camera as an actor, still do a lot of voiceover work. And, and so that was, that freed me up to be able to do, because we know in cabaret, uh, it's, it's not really a money-making enterprise. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's sort of like making a short it, film. It, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's something to be said for those things that, that, you know, come from just loving the exactly. process. Exactly. I would sing whether people came to see me or not. I, right. Don't get me wrong. We want as many people to come as possible. Right. But, you know, it's just something that I do because I love it. You know, it was Dennis McCallion, our mutual friend, yeah. Dennis McCallion, whose uh, father was an actor. And he said, you know, singing and acting are the two art forms that, by, you know, by definition, are the few things that require someone else. You know, it's like you can sing on your own and be happy and you can act on your own, you know, depending on, you know, how many neighbors you have. But uh, it's one of those things that it just, the art forms really require other people. You know, you can paint on your own. You can sculpt, you know, on right. your own and then have something to show. But yeah, it's so collaborative. Was, yeah, yeah, very, very, very absolutely. much so. When you mentioned earlier about sort of staring down the dragon of fear when you uh, first made that jump. Right. Uh, I'm always curious about that because I used to suffer from pretty incapacitating stage fright. So the whole reason I wrote the one-person show was to sort of battle that. Wow. And uh, I'm curious about after you got past that, were subsequent performances easier for you or was that level of nervousness about singing as a parent uh, later? It's gotten easier for me because I don't, I'm not surprised by it anymore. Okay. 
But I will say, and a lot of performers will tell you this, uh, if you don't get nervous, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Because it feeds a performance, you know, it, it, sure. really, it really does. But Joan is nodding to that my, here. She's I'm petrified right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine was She's totally over, out, literally like out of control oh. terror. Uh, way more than it really deserved to be. But w the only way I've been able to make sense of it is that it literally, I wanted it so much. It means so much to me that there, it felt like the stakes were really high personally. Oh. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but it's it's uh, it's gotten easier, but I don't expect it ever to be easy. Well, we don't want it ever to no. be easy. You never. know, like you well, said, if the challenge is gone, and yeah, what do you? Well, have the left? challenge, and yeah. also that that w what you were talking about, that distillation of focus, that that all that energy and that uh, you know adrenaline getting pushed into a performance. The big thing is just not letting it overtake you. Is just learning how to channel it. You know, did you ever find that when you performed, Michael? No. I mean, you know why? Because I, I think similar to, to what he's saying, I, w I didn't go seeking that career that I had as a kid, and <clears throat> it just happened. So f I didn't take anything seriously, and I think it's also why I worked so much as a child, because I didn't. But but, and I also because you were so natural, because there were well, yeah, yeah I, I oh. suppose. But the what I, what I did recognize, which is why I stopped acting, were <clears throat> the friends of mine who I acquired who were professional actors, and they were on a television series, and suddenly the series went off the air, their parents, you know, would blame them for this, yeah. and uh, for the failure of the series. And the income, of course, you know, changed dramatically in the family because they were basically supporting the family. Wow. And these kids were a mess by being chastised by their wow. parents and so guilty. That's and so I thought, sad. this isn't right. Yeah. And I was very young, and I still knew it wasn't right. Yeah. See, my, my mom and dad were very removed from all of so. Uh, the other thing that I, I remember very distinctly, I had an amazing acting teacher uh, named Daryl Hickman, who was a yeah, child actor. Yeah. Um, and he, I remember, uh, he would talk to us about it was one of uh, it was an appropriate conversation to have with an acting class about nerves. And he said, you know, <coughs> the truth is that if you relabel your physical uh, expression of fear of nervousness as excitement. He said it literally is exactly the same. The same physiological changes happen in your body mm. when you are excited as when you're afraid. And he said so if you kind of relabel the experience, it can go a long way to making it something like that you look forward to as opposed to something you dread. Right. You know, right. Oh, oh, my heart's beating fast, you know, I, I'm breathing more shallowly, whatever it is, I'm flushed. It's it's really it, it could be just excitement and you can sort of go down that road instead of the oh my god <laughs> yeah and you it's know, I'm gonna so crash and burn road it's so like uh it seems to me that so many of the cures for that and i don't want to get on this whole thing about uh nervous performance but uh it, it it is little tweaks like that it's just rethinking things one of the things that worked for me so much was changing what if to so what which is a huge mental change you know just you think if you what if something to this oh this could happen this could happen but if you so what it then there's a you know you're more lighthearted about it you yeah, know but that um, totally works and so does yeah. imagining the uh, the audience in their underwear well. always always yeah. you know what works for me I imagine the audience's response at the end the way I want it to be before I go out oh really that's so, a great so I do that every time it's like I sing. it's like a positive 
uh, what is the term I'm looking for? It's, it's just creating how you want it to turn out. And I right. do that at night when I Visualization. go to sleep. Visualization. Visualization, yeah. but I do it at night. Because I think what it does is it just relaxes everything. You think, okay, my body knows where it's going to end up, right. so maybe I'll get out of the way. Yeah, you're forecasting a comfortable yeah. place that's to go that's to. That's great. So that's a good one. That worked better for me than the underwear one. Isn't oh, that a good right, one? I'm right. Oh, well, I'm, always, you know I'm always looking See, for the underwear. But what I do is <laughs> I imagine the audience in my underwear, which is a little <laughs> just a personal preference. Oh, okay, my. That's, that's moving into and you know, that's usually. like TMI a little bit. Just virgin. And I wear some flashy numbers. And the uh, funny thing is, we usually have on this particular time of the month a, a pantsless uh, pantsless uh, Thursday. Thursdays. Yes, yes. Yeah. So not, not this. It all makes sense one. now. This is in a uh, very very scary way. <laughs> yes, a little too scary. Greg Marks will co-headline Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal Sunday, July 21st. First, with legendary cabaret and Broadway star Sharon McKnight. Once again, so 5.30, 6 o'clock dinner seating, a 7 o'clock showtime. Get reservations. It will sell out. 818-754-8700. And, of course, Sterling's is at 5303 Lancashire Boulevard in North Hollywood. Uh, and, Greg, we certainly want to talk to you some more as we talk to Joan, but we should do our arts calendar now, yeah. Michael. And I can kick it off. Please. Because I know you have a couple of shows that yeah. you saw. Sunset Boulevard weaves a magnificent tale of faded glory and unfulfilled ambition. Silent movie star Nora Desmond longs for a return to the big screen, having been discarded by Tinseltown with the advent of talkies. Her glamour has faded in all but her mind, and when she meets her struggling Hollywood screenwriter Joe Gillis in dramatic circumstances, their subsequent passionate and volatile relationship leads to an unforeseen and tragic conclusion. Man, did I need a comma in there. The original Broadway musical, directed by Trevor Nunn and with music by Andrew Lloyd Webber and a book lyrics by Don Black and Christopher Hampton, won seven Tony Awards in 1995, including Best Musical. The lush score features such haunting classics as With One Look, as if we never said goodbye, the greatest star of all, the perfect year, and the emotionally charged title song, Sunset Boulevard. Musical Theater West's much-anticipated Southern California 20th anniversary revival of Sunset Boulevard will be presented July 12th through July 28th at the Richard and Karen Carpenter Performing Arts Center in Long Beach, exactly 20 years to the day after the world yeah. show's world premiere. That's cool, great. huh? Yeah. Uh, tickets for Sunset may be purchased online at musical.org. I still can't believe they got that URL, musical.org. I know. And 562-856-1999, extension 4. That's the number for tickets. Uh, 562-856-1999, extension 4, or musical.org. Before we chat with Joan, Michael, you saw some shows. I did, I did. I you went out. Some. Actually, it was it was a... Lovely first time uh, for me being out at the Sierra Madre Playhouse. Do you know that mm -hmm. playhouse? No. You don't? Well, you certainly no. know Sierra Madre, which is a beautiful, beautiful little It's a treasure. There. Right. It's a treasure. Well. Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? Is this the god? Uh, treasure hello. of the Sierra Madre. Are you here till yeah. Thursday? Sorry. I'm here all week. Try the view. <laughs> Try the chicken. Yeah. Tip your waitresses. <laughs> it's tucked into the uh, suburbs there of Pasadena, I guess you would, oh. you would say. And I it's have known that. The homes are spectacular and, and the the main street is uh, very charming and quaint. And uh, the I went to see, actually, a show that I'm well familiar with, and, and actually not one of my favorite shows. But I went to see it because there were two people in it that I, that I knew and I wanted to support their efforts. And uh, it is probably the best decision I made uh, to do this because the, the directors of this show gave it a facelift, so to speak, and put it in a different perspective. And it was the first time I've ever truly understood this show. Not that it is so highly overcomplicated. Right, it's right, just right. presented in a way that becomes a, 
a little uh, confusing, and you generally start to shut down on it. Yes, and, and it runs the risk of being very dated, too. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's the world's longest running show. It's still playing in New York, and it is called The Fantastics. And uh, as I said, you know, in the midst of this lovely, quaint uh, Sierra Madre village, and to that fact, two so super talented friends uh, starred in the show, and the evening's luster took on an extra sheen. LA's next great stage star, 2013 top five finalist Kelsey Heinlein as Louisa, gave a glorious performance, and Michael Anthony as El Gallo who admittedly is a longtime friend of mine, but who I had not seen in 25 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and he said to me the most stunning thing, because his voice is so beautiful. And he said to me after the show, I, can you believe that the show that you hired me to do, I directed a, a show that I wrote called From Broadway with Love, a musical review of four great composers for the Glendale Center Theater uh, to prove to them that they could do musical theater. And uh, which they do successfully now. He said that was the first and last show I ever did until The Fantastics. Holy cow! Wow! And during that whole time, he just went in a different direction with his career, and he works for the uh, the wonderful songwriter Diane Warren, and he has done so for the last 20 years. So. So you were there for his premiere and exactly. then his follow-up, exactly. 25 years yeah. apart. Yeah, oh, and great. he and he certainly did not uh, let me down. But I must say that along with Michael and along with Kelsey, big shout-outs go to young, newcom uh, young newcomer, excuse me, Daniel Bel... I'm going to say... This is an Italian uh, name. I want you to pronounce it, Paul. It's B-E-L-L-U-S-C-I. So I would say Belasuch. Uh, wait, you have to see it on paper. It's uh, Is it here in front yes, of Yes, on the second page. The second page. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Beluski. Oh, Beluski. Yeah, okay, yeah. Daniel. Sorry yeah. about that. We messed up. C.I. has the sound. He played Matt, who at 17 has a brilliant, and I do say brilliant, career ahead of him. him. His vocals were unbelievable. And the rest of the show's very talented cast. Also, kudos to James Fowler and Barbara Schofield for their very creative co-direction and for thinking outside of the box. Totally interesting, totally refreshing, yet true to the story. Check it out. It closes this weekend, July 13th. So go early, have dinner in the village. It's a wonderful, wonderful environment to be in. Are you okay? What? Yeah, I thought you I'm drunk, Michael. I've been drinking since <laughs> 10. All right. <laughs> on Tuesday night, I was on the red carpet for Broadway World Television doing all these lovely interviews with all these lovely celebrities and this humidity and all those hundreds of people in the, in, as you're walking into the Pantages. It was like I almost seriously went down. Oh, right. I, I was dehydrated. I, I'd never been in an experience like that before. Didn't like it, but I had a great evening. And I must say that Sister Act, which just opened uh, the national tour uh, stop here in Los Angeles, uh, opened on Tuesday night. And the real stars of that evening were not the celebrities on the red carpet, but E. Clayton Cornelius and Taya, I'm sorry, Terea Campbell and Hollis Resnick, who were unbelievable in this show, as Dolores Van Cartier, Miss Campbell's megawatt talent not only lit up every nook and cranny of the Pantages Theater, but spilled out onto the streets of Hollywood, I assure you, like a lightning rod of unbridled power. Performances by Cornelius as Ernie, Resnick as Mother Superior, and Lyle Van Curen as Sister Mary Robert were also riveting additions to the highly charged spectacle, supported by a stunning cast and ensemble whose energy, Paul, really, it never, this show just rocked, it never waned the energy of this ensemble, the whole show, uh, never waned a beat during a two and a half hour what I say, rockin', holy rollin', good old musical comedy that would be a sin to miss. Note to Alan Menken, 
And Glenn Slater, thank you gentlemen for writing a score that kept the word humming on the lips of every one of us in the audience. And to you, Mr. Jerry Zachs, the director of this amazing show, and the rest of your wildly creative team, I'm confessing that I love you all over again. <laughs> thank you for a truly great night of theater. And folks, go see it, Pantages. I didn't I, know it was Alan Menken. Yes. I didn't realize yeah. he was, wrote the lyrics. Pantages Theater, and you can call them at 626-355-4, I'm sorry, 323-468-1770 uh, for tickets. That's the box office. Or HollywoodPantages.com, BroadwayLA.org, the Sierra Madre for tickets, folks, 626-355-4318, and SierraMadrePlayhouse.org. Michael, I introduced uh, Greg, so would you do the introduction, do the I honors will. for our lovely uh, Joan? I am so happy to do that. Our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, is well known to theater goers around the country as she created the role of Judy Denmark, Ginger Del Marco, in Ruthless, and has had leading roles in Les Miserables, Footloose, Leonard Bernstein's Mass at the Hollywood Bowl, Little Shop of Horrors, and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Suds and Nonsense, among others. And she is soon, and very soon, to be seen as Patricia in the upcoming feature film, Hot Guys with Guns. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so good when you say yeah. it like that. <laughs> and you can see her live on Sunday, July 28th at Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal. Please welcome my dear sweet friend and very talented friend, Joan Ryan. Joan, thank you. Joan, thank you for your patience joining of us here course, today. Of course, I'm fascinated. I'm just sitting here like an audience member. Uh, she's this fascinated, show. Paul. She's fascinated, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Joan, I the same question I asked Greg. I'm curious about your process. And first of all, is this a show that you've have you done this before? Is it a new thing for you? Well, I've I've done my own show many times, right, right. but not for at least six years. So I'm very excited to be doing oh, it cool. again. Um, and the process is for me, the first thing I do is I look to see what songs from before I want to keep. And this time my goal was to keep very few. So I think I have about four, um, four songs from my old show. Oh, okay. And it's funny that you mentioned Sunset Boulevard because the director of my show, uh, his name is Andrew McVean, he was the co-director for Sunset Boulevard and for all the shows with Trevor Nunn. Oh, wow. So it's yeah. really fun. So now nice that you mentioned that, yeah. the song from Sunset, we might have to put that in there. Yeah, that it's would be close. sweet. Yeah. Such a great job. And Joan's show is much more, as Greg said, you know, uh, people who do their cabaret, generally speaking, for the first time out, make it, it's a personal venture for oh. them, as, as his was at that time. Mm -hmm. Yours, what you do now is probably much more commercial, I would assume. Very, very much so. As, as what Joan does. It's right. very commercial so that it can go anywhere, right. as opposed to living you know, in one place for one night. Have a broad appeal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, uh, one of the things I noticed, Joan, looking through your uh, your promotional material is that, I mean, and listening to you sing, obviously, you, you certainly have the chops there, but people keep talking about your comedic skills. Uh, and uh, you've gotten great praise and reviews for how funny you are. And um, it's one of those things that is there is there a narrative in the show for you? Is it is it casual pattern it's, between it's shows? Is it well, scripted? It's both. Yeah. It's scripted and then I get to go off script. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's going to be dangerous. Yeah. Um, but our goal for this was to put a lot more comedy okay. into it. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a very different kind of evening than the ones I've had before. It's not going to be as serious. There'll be a lot of fun things well. in it because that was my goal to have comedy in it as well as singing and right. you know what about yours Greg? do you have some is it uh sort of comedic elements throughout yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, you find them where they're organically there. It's sometimes just in the moment, some of the funniest stuff. Oh yeah, always. And I think Joan, in in regard to your show. uh, and seeing that, in, like I said, in the promo material, I think this is something, Michael, I don't know, you, you have the club, so you know better than I, but I, I think a lot of people who are new to cabaret just immediately think that it's going to be this sort of somewhat stuffy, you know, just person singing on stage, and they're always really <laughs> delighted to find out that it can just be, you know, funny, and I've, I've some of the shows I saw of yours, that sometimes just out-and-out out raucous, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you they, know. certainly. And, yeah, uh, I think a good cabaret act, you have to get to know the person. Yeah. So if their personality is right. serious and stuffy, that's what you get. If their personality is fun and upbeat, that's right. what you get. I think yeah. that's that's important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and I think that also as to be a smart cabaret artist, you have to put in the act something for everyone too. I mean, you you, you know, because you think it's you know particularly good may not be sensed that way by an audience member. So, yeah. but something in your show certainly is. Yeah, I think. Uh, so I, I caution, especially the younger performers who come in. And don't do self-direct. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, uh, don't don't underestimate people and, uh, you know, give give everybody a little something. Uh, Speaking however, of giving everyone a little something, we should give them a little bit of this uh, sound bite. Yes, let's do it. I was just going to suggest that. Okay. Joan Ryan. This is uh, Joan Ryan. This is a, uh, a melange of sorts. Yes, it is. Oh, is that boy, a good thing to say? A melange? Uh, a melange. A, a, uh, a, a veritable potpourri. Yes. Uh, there you so. go. Uh, this is <laughs> this is Joan Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. On a clear day, rise and look around you, and you'll see who you are. A clear day, how it will astound you, that the glow of your being outshines every star. What new way to say days? Like new, I wanna see him just a little stuck on you. Yesterdays, yesterdays, days I knew as happy, sweet, sequestered days. Oh, you know, if only, she, if only she could sing. <laughs> I was going to say, know, if only she had some power to her voice. voice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. you. Two, uh, yeah. Oh, that was gorgeous. Really. really, really it, well, it's now, any of those? Exactly. Any of those coming yes, up? Yes. But of we can't tell people when you have tell to. What? You have no, to I go. do keep my tried and true favorites in there. Right. Well, you have and to. Then, yeah, you have to. Yeah. Well, also, people expect you to sing certain things. Yes. That one will be opening. That one you're thinking of. Yeah. But you know, she is a very funny lady. She truly is, and that's why she's in this motion picture. 
Yes. Tell us about that. Oh, I love, love this movie. This movie is called Hot Guys with Guns. And it's actually groundbreaking because it's a funny title, right? It's Uh, it's written and directed by Doug Spearman, whom I just adore. Just an amazing director. It's got a cast that I love. And it's groundbreaking because it's a it's a heist movie like, you know, and well, how can I explain it? The leads are gay. And they're the two people who are tracking down, you know, what went wrong. But it's so funny, and I play. It's it's very film film noir, but I play a wonderful character, and I think she's my most favorite character since Ruthless. Uh, I play the mother of one of the gay sons of one of the leads, um, with no boundaries. And I I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this, but I did bury my fourth husband under the tennis court, and I do ecstasy and coke and you know every drug known to man. They kind of had to teach me how to do it. Just saying. Um, <laughs> like, their mom at home in L.A. Right. You know, yeah. in between like, begging applause. No, but it is just so much fun. There is one really fun scene when I am just high as a kite, and uh, my son and his newest boyfriend are in bed and I didn't realize that the new, that the boyfriend was in the bed and I go in looking for Xanax and fall asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> it's that kind of a movie. Love and what this is movie. This, and, and, wh- and it's July 19th. <clears throat> okay. Um, July 19th it's going to be at... Uh, out, eight, uh, eight days from today. Eight days from today. Yeah. Oh, you're good at math yeah. too. Thank you. Okay. Um, it's, it's Outfest. Outfest. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. At yeah. Outfest yeah. at the John Anson Ford Theater. And then Frontiers is throwing us a great big party. So oh, come down because awesome. it's going to be a great night. Yeah. Okay, now, Joan, do you have mentions of that on your website as well? Yes. Okay. I, well, actually, Hot Guys with Guns is not on, but my show at Sterling's on the okay. 28th is. But I, that's oh. a good idea. I will yeah, put, that put it up there because it, that's easy there. for our listeners to remember. It's joanryan.com. Mm-hmm. And it has the information for, it will have the information for Hot Guys with Guns, but it will certainly have, and I know it does because I confirmed it uh, looking today for the Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal Performance, which is Sunday, July 28th, much like Greg's show. It's a 5.30, 6 o'clock dinner seating and a 7 o'clock showtime. Reservation number is also the same, 818-754-8700. That's 818-754-8700. And much like Greg's show, call and reserve or you will be left out well, in the cold. Well, yeah, because I must tell you, Miss Ryan is uh, about 50% sold out, and out we just put it on sale. Out so. in the cold. Yeah. Out in the cold. got to get those calls in there. So the, Good uh, thing I'm rehearsing. And, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you said it's at Outfest and the John Anson... Where's Ford Theater. Where? That's on Highland, I believe, the John it Anson. It is. Oh, yeah. it's the one that's, that's across that's from... Lovely, yeah. Directly across from the ball. The ball, yes. little weird parking. And the whole cast will be there and... I think it holds about 1,300 people, and it's yeah. the, the tickets are going really fast. Yeah, so oh, that's great. Excited that about hysterical. that. Can't wait for it, it to does. come out. I love the Xanax story there. <laughs> now, see, I gave you all my scenes, though. I don't that's know. That's a good, th- but you can't <laughs> pause after that, Michael. You can't, you can't say, I love the Xanax, and then you wait a little. The scene, the scene. <laughs> not, the, yes, not the product, Xanax. but the scene. Me loves me some Xanax. Me loves me some Xanax. <laughs> so the uh, show uh, that's coming up at uh, Sterling's, did you... Um, your collaborators on that. We should throw them out yes, there. Yes, I have wonderful... Uh, Todd Schroeder is my wonderful musical well, director. He doesn't just, get much better than that, No, right? he's incredible. Yeah. Um, so I'm having such fun being in the room with Todd. And Andrew is actually my director, is in London now for the 20th anniversary of Sunset. Mm. So he has been away. So we've been doing it by Skype, which is an experience, you know, yeah. all Does that work? Own. Does it work for you? You know, I, lo- I love it because it feels like he's there. Yeah. I can't wait for him to actually get here. You know, we've been rehearsing the show before. He's he been directing leave. via Skype? Well, we, no, we, dire- uh, we created the show and he directed it 
here in LA, New York, and Toronto, because okay. I went for the screenings of the movie, and he happened to be in all those places. Oh, okay. We got here, we had about a week with Todd, and then he left, so we've been on Skype for a week, and then he'll be back this weekend. Okay. So it's kind of an interesting yeah, process. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot, <laughs> it is a little, you know, it's like uh, they're there, but they're not daunting. there. Oh, gee, yeah. and um, I have some fun comedy. Uh, Stephen Witkin is co-writing it with us as well, so I think it's oh, going to be fun. Oh, that sounds great. Hair and makeup by me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Probably and not. always some glamorous outfit. Yeah. Maybe two. Some glamorous outfit. Right. Maybe two. We're not sure yet. No, see, no, no, no uh, costume change in this act. I might have to do that. Oh, that's yeah. that's uh, that's on schedule to do Friday. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll let you know Friday night. All right. We will, before the end of our hour, which is about five minutes away, we will uh, throw these informations, this information. These information? Information. What is that? I tell you, man, I'm tripping you over my are, tongue today. I don't right? know what it is. Uh, I slept Xanax. too much last night. That's it. I'm an insomniac, <laughs> and I rarely sleep more than four or five hours. And last night I slept eight. Wow. And I just, that's why what, I'm tripping no, over my tongue. What attributed? Bourbon. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, just, I don't know. Probably, you know, catching up. Yeah. Uh, but we're at that time, Michael. We have we to are. ask our guests to share with us a tale of woe, oh, some sort yeah. of performance disaster that's hopefully funny. Uh, Greg, we could start with you. Uh, you have a tale to tell of something that went wrong during performance? Yeah, well, it's funny now. It wasn't so funny. <laughs> They're the always moment. funny later. Uh, I did a Cole Porter show. Who doesn't do a Cole Porter show? But I did a Cole Porter show, and the first place I did it was uh, at a club, which shall remain nameless, in uh, Los Angeles, but a very well-known jazz club. <laughs> and um, the tw- we were there for a sound check just prior to the show, and uh, the soundboard went completely dead, completely dead. Uh, and so they managed, they had another, somehow or other had an uh, alternate soundboard that they were able to plug in, but literally we had five minutes to sound check and go through, you know, to get things together. And it was, it was literally like, you know, seat of your pants. Yeah. Uh, you know, is this microphone going to work? Um, What's the it going to sound yeah. like? And uh, it, it, it's faded with time, and it's gotten a little burnished, and it's kind of funny, <laughs> but it was it was terrifying. Oh yeah, because literally this was the first Shoot. I was premiering the show. I had never done the show before, and we had no time for for a sound check slash rehearsal. Oh, so man. it was it was flying by. Did the you keep your, your cool? Did you? Were you a trooper? Were you I, excited? I was. I was. <laughs> I was excited air quotes the air quotes yeah, I, I was, was just thank I you was, for mentioning it because I, I was gonna say. super excited <laughs> I, can I just tell you yeah it was um, it was trial by fire but you know then those things those experiences which are really very difficult in the moment become part of your experience oh yeah and so, so you kind of go ah this is nothing yeah. like when the soundboard yeah. went out they make you, you know, 610 and bulletproof yeah, yeah. kind of so yeah. I'm, I'm grateful and I and I didn't have a meltdown, and the show went really well. (laughs) What was yours, Joan? Oh, boy. Uh, The one that comes to mind is that (laughs) uh, there were many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was at the Hollywood Bowl having one of the most exciting experiences of my life, singing uh, Leonard Bernstein's The Mass with a cast of a million. Uh, But there were six of us that were uh, co-starring with Jubilant Sykes, who was the lead. And we were dressed in townspeople garb, and right before we they called places, I realized that somebody had taken my character shoes. So I called my husband, who dutifully brought me a pair of shoes. I said, please bring me some shoes. Well, he didn't really know the difference between regular shoes and designer shoes. So he brought me my very first pair of designer shoes, which were Vera Wang's. And so I'm in 
townspeople garb with Vera Wangs. And I thought, okay, <laughs> nobody is going to see this. Well, cut to at the end of this cast of thousands, at the end of the show, Jubilant bangs a gong, and we're all supposed to die on the stage. Well, he banged the gong a little early, and I fell down in the middle of the stage. <laughs> With all the people around me. So I didn't have people miles around me. And I look up on the Jumbotron, and there were my Vera Wang. (laughs) And I was dying, and I had 20 minutes of jubilant psych solo to go. Did you see my shoes? I bet you saw my shoes, Michael Sterling. You just zoomed in. I thought I'll never work in this town again. So you just fell early. He banged the gong. I felt where I was, and then I opened my eyes, and I was in the middle of the stage. And, you know, they have that big jumbotron. My Vera Wangs were 20 feet tall (laughs) under my townspeople garb. They haven't called me to work there again, so maybe it was my shoes. I'm gonna forgo the, yeah. the I'm gonna forgo the joke which just says there's a 20 foot wang on the jumbotron. I just am <laughs> not gonna do that. One. Not even gonna go there. Maybe I'll steal that. <laughs> and then someone said that. Oh, that's hysterical. It is funny. It was I, funny. It was you, funny um, to see her drop like that too. Because I was there. <laughs> oh, you you saw it. It was 12 hours yeah. long, wasn't yeah. it? Long, yeah. And so you had to stay there like dead, dead, with yeah. one eye open, looking at the jumbotron, <laughs> saying. Uh-uh. I can't even believe this is happening. And the worst part is Jubilant had to sing to me because I was in the middle of the stage. Oh, he had to gosh. look at me. It's terrible. It's frightening. <laughs> nice shoes, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the whole death thing, but killer footwear. Uh, we should have Joan play us yes, off I the air so we idea. can hear a little bit more of this. Or we, Greg can sing us off the uh, air. No, Greg, uh, I asked him about that, yeah. and he hit me no. about the yeah. face oh, and neck. Okay. Sorry, sorry about it, the bruises. Yeah, I know. didn't want to mention it. It's okay. There are two upcoming performances at Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal, one with Greg Marks and Broadway star Sharon McKnight, and one with Joan Ryan, who is with us today. The Greg and Sharon are there on the 21st, and Joan is there on the 28th of July. Both of the shows, 5.30, 6 o'clock dinner seating, a 7 p.m. showtime. Reservations, 818-754-8700. And this is, of course, Sterling's Upstairs at the Federal, 5303 Lancashire Boulevard in NoHo. And we're so delighted to have both of you on Thank the show. You. So much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we Love will uh, play a little of Joan to play us off the air. And yep. Michael, look forward to uh, sharing the mic with you next week. See you on the radio. The lovely Ms. Joan Ryan. I'm an This is Today with Katie Curry. This is Joan Ryan singing Shall We Dance from The King and I. Listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley, right here on LA Talk Radio.